नमो ब्रह्मादिभ्यो ब्रह्म विद्या संप्रदाय कर्तृभ्यो वंश ऋषिभ्यो महत्यो नमो गुरुभ्य शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाषिकृत वंदे भगवंदनःश्वरो गुरुराजी मूर्तिभेद विवाघिने व्योमवत्याय दक्षिणामूर्त नम शांति मप्यायंगानी वाक्चक्षुश्रोत्रमथो बलमिंद्रिया ब्रह्मषद ब्रह्म निराकुरा ब्रह्म निराकोराकरणमस्तु अनीरागरणमेवस्तु तदात्मनिरदेयपनिषत्सु कर्मा ते मयि सू ते मयि सू So we are on the twelfth section of the eighth chapter. We did mantras one, two, and three in the last session, just to get the continuity. Just let us recall what did we discuss in that. We we said that Maghavan Martimba idam sharirama aptam rutinat asya amrutasya sharirus asharirus yatmana adistana mapto vai sa sharirha priya priya bhyam na vai sharisra sharirusya sataha priya priyoho apaghati asya shariram vava vasantam na priya priye stushita. O oh, Indra, please listen to me. This body is perishable. It is enveloped from death from all sides because all of them have a beginning, existence, and end, which is called the death. Death is the is a symbolic way of saying that they are bound by time. So the individuality is subject to death at any end that is visible in particular, and it cannot be called the Atman. Because yepatma apagata patma is the way in which the declaration was done. So then, what sort of consciousness can be, or awareness is what is atma? Can anyone imagine that sort of awareness, where it is not aware of any one's individuality or not even un, not even unaware of anything? Such awareness is the atman about which we have to know. Is what Indra is telling, being told by the Prajapati. So he, in the second mantra, he gives some examples like Asariro Vayu, Abram Vidyustanei Tishtru, Asariraani Yetaani Tad, Yeta Yetaani Amushmat Akashat Samuttaya Paramjodi Upasampadya Shvena Rupena Abhi Nipad Nishpadyate. This example I didn't explain in the last class. The main reason why because I didn't want to bring this example because the topic was purely on the bodilessness of Atma and how we can even not mentally grasp that aspect. That bodiless existence. How do we now? The example which is the Rajabadi is using is that the space from which the air is born. the air is now 
connecting with the water and the warm up vapor becomes a cloud and in the cloud there is lightning and thunder to indicate the vagaries of life and these all of these are apparently unbodied but when we look at it reverse it when the disconnection to the these things are happening the vapor the the rain is becoming the cloud and the cloud is dissolved in the air and the air is merging back to the space so the space by itself has never become the water vapor or embodied in the water vapor nor did it have any pain and pleasure of lightning and thunder nor did it go through any rain or anything the space remained space all the time and it is in the space all these things are happening so this is a one example with prajapati has explained to indra saying that to know what is a bodylessness i have no example but that of the space so it is impossible to conceive what bodiless existence is at the same time the injection of prajapati that the bodiless existence is free from vicissitudes of pleasure and pain cannot be easily made intelligible to the mind and affected by the cognitions of bodily existence so these examples come useful to you know conceive that you know the spaceless bodiless space how when it associates itself with the water vapor gets a form of a cloud then you have a name and form etc etc so the atman is bodiless and it is the atman which is the abstraction it's it's not a it is not an abstraction from the physical existence point of view the mind cannot think about that state of atman because the mind is a body or it itself has taken up a shape and mind can think only within the realm of space and time mind cannot even conceive or even visualize or imagine what can be a bodiless state even if it is conceiving about the akasha which cannot be comprehended by the mind the contrast in the akasha is making us feel that akasha or the space is available but what is space we cannot define it in the space whenever an object come we know that the object is occupying the space so from that point of view mind is conceiving space in the relative realm but not in its own pure nature or the absolute nature that is beyond the mind to even fathom that so these things are non physical because mind cannot access the non physicality of space and time the physicality of space and time and in the space and time whatever happens is accessible by the mind but atman cannot be thought by the mind yena ito vacho nivartande aprapya manasasaha aprapya it cannot be even accessed by the mind that is the reason also why we cannot even imagine that what bodiless existence means this atma doesn't have a body or this consciousness awareness is not conditioned by the body 
तो इंपर्सनल एक्सिस्टेंस और एन इंपर्सनल बीइंग विदाउट अ बॉडी इज बियॉन्ड द माइंड और बियॉन्ड अवर ordinary brain and intellect to get into the you know that what aspect is what is that atma is about that is why it is it is declared always through the words which are what it is not arupam adrishyam agrahyam alakshanam achindyam avyapadesham all these negative things are because what we know will all form in the grahyam which is can be conceived alakshanam which is without alakshanam means we can only know with attribute all these type of things are what the mind can conceive but what is beyond the attributes without the you know what cannot be conceived cannot be conceived you know that it goes against the law or the logic inconceivable in inconceivability itself is not conceivable by the mind because mind cannot go into that region because mind can only conceive so this is where we are now in a state where the mind cannot help us at the same time prajapati has been telling from the beginning the one which you see one which you see in the eyes akshi purushaha then in the sapna purushaha then the nidra in the deep sleep just thing all these explanations the listener or indra will normally associate with the physical body knowing very well that this tendency for the student to associate himself with the physical body prajapati wants the shackle of mind conceiving that i am an embodied person in this body physical body that has to be broken up or that has to be shattered a state of bodilessness is something which was the closest when he mentioned about the deep sleep but there indra got the confusion that vinasham eva pasyat i am seeing the total annihilation of including myself because i was not there i could not see whether i was existing or not so prajapati has to make sure that indra is understanding all those things so he brings in the bodilessness of the akasha and explains just as that priya priya vasandam nasprashataha this happiness and sorrow which you which you are always associated with the association with the physical body doesn't touch the atma which is in the asharira atma which is in the sharira the presence the awareness in the body that awareness is very bodiless when it is functioning in the body we assuming that superimposition of this body is i am this body and then my body is becomes my and then the world becomes relation to the body so removing that limitation it was mandatory for knowing what is that ya atma apaghata atma the first statement which in the which which prajapati was very category selling ya atma apaghata atma vijaraha amrut vimrutyu vishokaha vijigatso vi apipasa 
Satyakama, Satya Sankalpa, Anyashtavya. This is what is to be searched for. Savijiknasitavya. This is to be known. Not ordinary knowing. Vijiknasva, but the special knowing of it. That you know, the knowing and the being becoming one in such a state. Sa Sarvamsa Lokan Papnodi. Once you associate that yourself with that, all lokas is pervaded by that. Sarvansa Lokan Kaman Atman Anuvidya Vijani Dihi. That is what Prajapati said. All that view, you enjoy everything by knowing that you are everything. Not that you are enjoying through the body of everything. No. Then again, you are tra trapped in the bodies of that enjoyment, everything. You are knowing that this happiness and sorrow doesn't touch you. At the same time, all the desires which you feel through the different body, you know that those are all not the one which are really to be enjoyed. You have got something state which is where you are become the omnipresence. That omnipresence completes the complete requirement of the desires. If at all anything can be called as a desire. So evam in the third mantra which we stopped last time was evam eva esha samprasadaha asmat sarira samuthaya param jyotihi upasampadya svena rupena abhinishpadyate sa uttama purushaha satatra paryeti jakshan kridan ramavana stribhi va yanaiva nyadibhi va Na upasaj upajaj upajanam smaran idam sariram sa adha prayogya acharena yuktaha evam eva ayam asmin sarire prano yuktaha. Now, as the pure consciousness, as it was originally, like how the example of the akasha was given, now samprasadaha asma sarira duttaya. One has to rise above these three physical states of physical, subtle, and causal conditions. That is Sharira Tuthaya. Atman is apparently attached to the body. Apparently, understand the word, it is not really touched by any of them. Because of which we feel that, you know, that association of the body. So it is the selfhood which is being the true nature of the being, which is untouched by the bodies. To understand that, we should know the awareness from this, the capacity of the awareness. The capacity of the awareness is self-luminosity. So, Prakashita, or you can say Paramjyoti, the universal luminosity. So, Prakashita means it will still be associated with the physical body. No, it is the Paramjyoti. In the light of everything, everything exists. That one which is the one, that consciousness or awareness in which anything and everything exists. We cannot imagine anything outside awareness. Anything possible also outside awareness or consciousness. So that is the 
Sarvan Lokan Apnoti. That is why the omnipresence is being understood to be understood. By identifying our true nature as that awareness or the consciousness, we know that nothing can be outside it. Therefore, the pervasiveness or omnipresence of our nature is established. It is not, that's why Soprakashada means we will think that it is the luminosity of the individual. It is not that. Why is it universal luminosity? Because it is the self of everything in the universe. That awareness is the substratum for everything. Oh, Indra, such is your true being into which you seek initiation. Prajapati is now concluding, almost concluding. This is the true serenity and composure of the self. And don't identify with the physical body and the limited name and fame and pleasure and association you have with. You have to stand by your own right because you are not the body. You are not the one which is functioning through the body. So you have to assume your real status, which is the being or the awareness or the consciousness. And once you do, that is the freedom. That is called the Atma Swarajya, the freedom from the freedom from everything. And it is the freedom of the self. Once you identify yourself free from the body, free from your limitations, because you are that universal consciousness, not entrapped into the body of the individual and the individuality with which we think that we are the limited individual. The sort, the status of freedom from all kinds of external subjugations, every law, which is the body, the mind and the intellect and the physicality is limiting the body those laws do not operate in that realm. It can be attained only when the so-called outsideness or externity ceases. We have the body and outside the body experiences. Not the body. We go outside the body. No. We associate with the body. Everything outside the body, we call it as out the world. The world has no independent existence. So when the outsideness of the body or the external externality of the nature of the self ceases to exist, then there is no outsideness. And that is the freedom what is being told about by Prajabadi to Indira. If you consider yourself or within the body, limited with the laws which are applicable to the body there is no freedom so the absolute freedom or the amrudatvam or abhayatvam is applicable only in the universality of the consciousness this is why he keeps on repeating in everything that is how he says in every statement from the Akshini Purusha onwards, onwards, the first statement onwards, he was keeping on telling. This is the truth, O Indra. This is the Atman. Now you should understand what this Atman is. 
I have not told you what Atman is. I have told you till now what, what is not. That Atman is the supreme person or what you call Uttama Purusha. You call it as a person for want of another word because there is no words with which it can be nomenclatured or defined or, you know, put in a pigeonhole. It is not a person in actuality, but for the want of expression, we use the word the supreme person or the Uttama Purusha as an expression. For us to helping understanding that, you know, in case if you are it's immature mind, we think what is the nature of that Atma? That supreme body or supreme being in which everybody can exist, Vishwapurusha. All bodies are his bodies. No body is limiting him. Such a state is what is called the Uttama Purusha. That all bodies exist in, in, the, in his awareness. All bodies are the consciousness. And bodies cannot limit the consciousness. That is what is the Uttama Purusha, what we are talking about. And this is exactly what is to be understood. Once who know this as your nature, you are free. You are no more embodied self. You are released from the bodily existence here and now. What we call it as Jivan Mukti. This body itself is an appearance in the consciousness. It is not really that you are the body. Because you know that the body, you have seen the body aging. You have seen the body going through the pleasure and pain, growth, decay, disease, everything, whatever you want to call it. So how can you call yourself the body? You are that Uttama Purusha, in which everybody is there. Then why are you getting confused that you are the physical limited body of each one individual? Petty, limited, to you know, located in space and time to one spot. If you look from the cosmos point of view, even the physicality of the cosmos, we cannot be even narrated or identified even at the tip of a pin. That in you know, minuscule or insignificant is our sharira, and we identify with the sharira, saying that we are the body. I am the king. I am the monarch, or I am so and so. I am all sorts of identification and call that I am rich, I am poor, or I am fat, or I am good, I am ugly. All those things are being used because you do not know your true nature. This Atma, you should, that is why you should, one should know about that is the nature. Such a person who has understood that he is no more the body, he is hurled Ajivan Mukta. Now, these things, what is the Jivan Mukta state? Only a person who has transcended beyond the body limitation can explain from the point of view. We can only assume what we may be looking at it from what the Shastras are telling, unless we ourselves become the Jivan Mukta ones. To know that we have to we have to drop the identification with the body. And that state of the Jivan Mukta is not conceivable by the mind because mind is part of the body so the bodily ex not bo non bodily existence 
associating with that uttama purusha where everybody is in his body or in his awareness or in his being is a state of the jivan mukta which is being not possible for the immature mind to understand this freedom can come only by knowledge not by concept you have to know to know is to be there is a difference between knowing intellectually and knowing by being we have to understand what the upanishad wants us to say when it wants to vijiknyasitavya that suffix v to jiknyasitavya jiknyasa means to know desire to know the the v vishesha is added as a suffix to that word is to differentiate between intellectual appreciation or knowing whatever may be the subtlest of the subtlest of the physical beings in this world like atoms and neutrons and protons or cosmos and you know physicality biology dna all of them are in the knowledge intellectual knowledge but here we are talking about a knowledge of becoming the knowledge itself you know you can be only in one place you can become the knowledge the knowledge where it is awareness itself only in that place you can become the knowledge in rest of the places the knowledge is intellectual place in nature we can appreciate intellectually we can uh, you know do you know faster than the computers or faster than the uh, you know in the lightning speed we can do all those things it is still within the space and time here we are talking about that consciousness supreme uttama purusha which embodies that omnipresence which embodies everything so everything what we are knowing intellectually is within the realm of that omnipresence but when you become identified with that there is no you there is left that is why he become jivan mukta from the jiva limited individual state he becomes freed himself so he is a freed individual means he no more identifies himself with the physicality of the space and time and the bodily conditions he has become the consciousness himself he has become one with awareness such a person when you become one with the knowledge or one with the awareness there is no way he can ever associate himself with the physicality of the body we see the world and jivan mukta also sees our world but he sees it in different way from what you and me i see because the difference of perception he has become the awareness in which bodies and things like that the world exist for us we associate with the physical body and see the world external to our body for a jivan mukta the externality is not there because he is omnipresent this instrument for him to know is by becoming or by being the awareness in the awareness everything can exist the existence in awareness do not limit his presence or his identity he is sarvam apnoti sarvashah the 7th chapter we discussed that 
he pervades everything because of his nature of awareness he is a consciousness and he himself becomes an instrument because other than him there is no instrument for him so the object and the subject he is one that is why when it is said there is nothing outside with which he can he sees something outside him something hears outside him or knowing something outside him because there is nothing outside the outsideness as an externality doesn't exist once we identify with the consciousness or i didn't that being is what is called the uttam purusha and the jivan mukta are not two different entities but for us when we see such an individual who has identified himself with a universality of the existence or consciousness no more identifying with his physical body we call him a jivan mukta for him there is no jivan body itself nor has he will realize that he has never been free never been contaminated or contained in a body because the moment he knew that just like when we wake up from our dream we are no more conditioned by the body of the dreamer the jivan mukta has identified with the awareness where the appearance of the waking dream and dream sleep was happening as a phenomenon so he knows no more he knows that i never had a body which i went through that then like the we say we never had a body in the dream to suffer through and we did not suffer in the dream actually that is the same way this is what is called a parajagrat it means it is a exemplary waking or a ex extreme waking where there is this waking has no relevance at all so that is the state of the jivan mukta which is being measured in the third char third mantra and now we are going to the fourth mantra which says atha etat atra yat atha etat akasham anuvishannam chakshu sa chakshusha purusha darshanaya chakshu atayo veda idam jigrani iti sa atma gandaya jigranam atayo veda idam abhivyaharanti vyaharani iti sa atma abhivyaharaya vad atavyo veda idam shrunvani iti sa atma shravanaya shrodam now he is bringing our attention back to us our association with the body so that we do not get into the delusion again to identifying the body the i which we see etat akshan and chakshusha purusha darshanaya chakshu the person in the eye when it is mentioned that the eye is the purpose for seeing as an instrument but the one who sees is not the one with the eye he is no more identified with the physicality or the instrumentality of the eye he is the consciousness or the awareness who is behind the statement i am i see i smell i speak i touch all these organs and everything which is listed here and this awareness is present in even in our body 
this consciousness not intellectually knowing what we are seeing that is the limitation of the individuality and the process of seeing when we see an object there is an awareness in us it is the awareness in which the seeing taking place but we do not look that way we always say that i am seeing and i am aware of the object so the i which is being referred there is not known to us who is the i you are referring to who is the i we call that smelling who is the i who is speaking who is the i who is hearing there is the i in atma the word i in atma saying my meaning but we always consider that the knowing and seeing hearing touching smelling tasting all of them are done by the instruments of the body and it is the instruments which is knowing the instruments by itself has no potency to know they are all mere instruments if that is the case even a dead body should be able to see a smell taste touch and tasting it is not happening the presence of atma through prana as a living being is the reason why the instruments become potent enough to know things it is the awareness which is there in the in the in the entire field of object and subject and the connection there is no actually speaking there is no separation from the point of view of awareness but when the instrument is looking at it the instrument only records what is being seen through the limitations of the instrument therefore the intellect feel that limitation and segregates itself as a subject and what it observes through the instrument he eliminates from himself as an object but this is because the intellect has not known what is making it yet chakshushana pasyadi yena chakshumsi pasyadi that which is not seen by the eye by because of which i is able to see yet manasana manute yena hur manomatam it is not the with not the, what the mind is comprehending or you know understanding or intellectually measuring and thinking that it is knowing it is that by which the intellect or the mind has the potency to know that is what is atma which is being referred here by indra to in to indra by padapajavadi अथयो वेद मनुवानी स आत्मा मनो अस्वु सवाषुषा मन एक्तान्न रमते ये ब्रह्मलोके तम वेवासते तस्मासोका आपनोती, 
ಇಸ್ ದ ಕಾಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ ವಿಷನ್ 
अथ इदम जिग्रानी इवन नौ टेस्टिंग टचिंग स्मेलिंग एव्रीथिंग घ्राण ग्रंथाय ऑल दोज थिंग्स आर बिकॉज ऑफ दट कॉन्शियस्नेस विथ ईज बीइंग बिकॉज एव्रीथिंग ईज हैपनिंग इन दैट अवेरनेस और कॉन्शियस्नेस ब्रह्मलोकेतान कामान पश्यन रमते वै one who is capable of identifying himself as the universal consciousness or the uttama purusha he who has delimited by the limitations of the body he becomes a enjoyer of the entirety of omnipresence that omnipresence is referred as the brahma loka ब्रह्म एव लोक ब्रह्म लोक दैट यूनिवर्सल एनकैपिंग नेचर सी दी दर्ड्स बिगर दैन दैट विच कैन एनकैम्पैस समथिंग स्मॉलर दैन दैट इज नॉट लुक एंड इट इमेजिन द कॉन्शियसनेस विच इज एनकैसिंग एवरीथिंग एवरीथिंग इज इन साइड दैट लाइक द स्पेस which is encompassing everything this is something beyond that everything which is existing ideas objects body anything you name it all the names and forms everything has locus in that it is in that where this one who has identified himself with the universal consciousness or the universality of awareness etan kaman pasyan ramadevai we can say that he is having the enjoyment of everything there is no body to enjoy we do not know what is an enjoyment without a body but when an example is given that when something is outside you desire for it when you have an access to that your enjoyment goes up but when it becomes yours you have a sense of fulfillment or achievement that completeness from the externality is no more there when it becomes ours that is a small example to imagine when the universality and the entirety of the whole there is nothing outside it is the happiness you can call as the ultimate happiness that is what is called paramananda because there is nothing more than that because your happiness can be diminished by when you have something outside you and you want to get that dutiya dvai bhayam bhavati or dutiya dvai so when you have the second one you need to possess it or you need to have it and when it is becoming yours there is a sense of completeness apparent completeness with which we all feel that ha ah, now i am happy may let it be a food let it be something else seeing a flower or seeing a cloth or seeing a vehicle or anything which you think outside you when it becomes yours there is a sense of completeness now what will be the sense of completeness of the consciousness of the awareness where there is nothing outside it 
that is what is called the brahmaloka so tamva yetamva deva atman upasate that is what the praising tam yetam atmanam one who knows the atma deva atma in this form tam etam atmanam in the atma in this nature upasadevai one who has understood and have become one with that tasmat tesham sarvacha lokah sarvacha kama because of that very omnipresence all the world and all the objects sarvan kaman ata means achieved ya tam atmanam anividya one who follows this by the shastra as instructed by the upanishad vijanati one who knows not only just knowing by intellectually by becoming that sa sarvancha lokan sarvacha kaman apnoti iti ha pravad prajapati uvacha this is what the prajapati's instruction was there you o oh indra you may be the king of the gods with all the luxuries in the devaloka or the celestial world in the heaven you may be a king but you are limited by the body as long as you identify with the body your limitation in the happiness will limit to the body what you are thinking but imagine when you know the reality that you are not the body you are that universal consciousness or that one in which everything else is dependent there is no more individuality at that time so such a person is beholder of the whole worlds there is no world outside him and when there is no world outside him there is no desire outside him. so he is complete in itself he is a purna purusha uttama purusha that is what prajapati is telling to indra so that completes the 12th chapter section in the 13th section shyama shabalam prabadya shyama shabalas shyama prabadye asya iva romani vidhuya papam chandra iva rahur muhat pramuchya dutva sharira amritam krita ब्रह्मलोकम अभिसंभवामि यस्मि अभिसंभवामि देन दिस इज द स्टेटमेंट ऑफ द पर्सन हु इज नाउ एंटरिंग इनटू दैट यूनिवर्सल कॉन्शियसनेस अहम श्यामात सबलम दैट सबलम मींस ब्रह्मा हियर the adjective for shama uh, shabalam is shama that brahma loka or that brahma that on universal consciousness shama means yes we actually the word shama is multi color or multi attributed but when you become the universal awareness or the universal omnipresent purusha uttama purusha all the attributes becomes yours there is no attribute outside that so when we say aham shama shabalam prabadye let me enter into that world of all attributes 
no attributes outside me or let me become all aham sabalat samyam prabadyate the reversal is also true when i become the omnipresent and become everything in the world or the universal consciousness when i encompass everything there is nothing which can i need to abandon there is no body which i now need to discard because every body is inside me so an example is given like the horse you know shaking its own physical body the skin to dust off all the dust from the skin or you know the eclipse time the moon get freed from the the shadow like that i am getting freed myself or the freed of the attachments which is on the body or the feeling that i am limited so the two examples are for two different things the horse and the dust is to shake off all the no wrong notions i had that i am a wealthy person i am old person i am young person beautiful ugly this that all sorts of dust was there on my association i am shaking them all off as if the horse is shaking off the dust on its body i am also getting myself freed from the clutch of the shadow which i was thinking that i am the body limited individual located to space and time so i am uh, like the moon getting released from the shadow in the during the eclipse akrita kritat kritatma akritam brahmalokam abhisambhavami kritatma i have achieved what i was looking for i was limited by my body and attributes and everything now i am nothing more to be done sarva mapnodi sarvasha there is nothing more to be achieved for me i am a satisfied person from all aspects by knowing not only knowing by being the knowledge itself i have now nothing more to be acquired i have become the knowledge of everything every no everything remains in my knowledge or in my awareness or there is no myder akritam means eternal nothing kritam means what is in within the time and space a cause and effect there is nothing which is in the realm of cause and effect in that state of universal existence brahma lokam abhisambhavami i am entering into that universality of being the the uttama purusha state or the supreme human or supreme person in which everything is present there is nothing outside nothing no more desires to be fulfilled therefore i am become satisfied there is nothing outside me which i do not enjoy everything is inside me or there is nothing beyond me everything is me and my expressions so there is nothing which cannot be external therefore brahma lokam that is that extreme perceivingness or the omnipresence which is in abhisambhavami that is what i am becoming let me become that then in the 14th one akasho vai nama 
नाम रूपो योर निवाहिता ते यदांतरात्मा तद ब्रह्मा तमृतम तद अमृतम स आत्मा प्रजापते हे सभाम वेश्म प्रबद्या यशोहम भवामी ब्राह्मणानाम यशो राजानाम यशो यशो विशाम यशो हनुमनु प्राप्सी स हाहम यशः साम यशः के शेतस मदत आत्मगमतम शेदम लिंदुमां विज्ञाम लिंदुमा विज्ञाम here he is making the final final the last word in his statement a person who is dropping even the last identity akashavai nama this atma which i am has been mentioned in the in the in the scriptures as akasha nama rupayo nirvahita but one who is beholder of the name and forms because the name and forms are in me they do not have separate existence te ye dandara tad brahma this names and form is in me in the middle of me so i cannot say i can say in either way anuraniyan mahato mahiya in the middle of every name and form it is my name my presence or every name and form is in me in either way anuraniyan mahato mahiya both ways i am te andarayat that is that which is there in the middle of these names and form tad brahma tad amritam sa atma that is what is brahma that is what immortal and that is what atma aham prajapade sabam veshma i am entering into the courtyard or in the in the in the royal abode of brahma prajapade then he says that aham brahmananam yasha i am the what is the glory of the learned brahmana ratnyam yashah of the monarchs who have been ruling their glory is also mine remember the same thing which we studied when prajapati and agni vayu went to see in the and it was only a splendor which was being seen saying that splendor is yashah it is there in the brahmana it is there in the ratnya it is there in the vaishya aham yashah i am that that glory anuprapsiri i am the one who is desire, who had the desire to all do these things now they all have become mine or i am that glory of everything yashasam yashah i am the glory of the all glories he cannot think that any glory is superior to the glory of being a uttama purusha or atma swaro universal being then he is making a final prayer because the strength of the ignorance or maya is so so powerful the final prayer he is doing 
where he says that aham shetam adattam adakkam shetam linduma abiham let me be not be drawn through the red teethless mouth from where a slimy worm type of birth takes place again see the how the upanishad is describing that the cycle of birth and death should not happen to me because of the ignorance gripping me again let me not be in the in the grip of that delusion because of which i go through the birth and again having understood the reality i will not be under any more under the when the in the ignorance of it because yadgatva nanivartande taddama paramam mama so that what is what we have told that once we have once the knowledge once you have become once you become the awareness there is no way you can unbecome but intellectually if you grasp it you can forget you can be again back into the ignorance but by becoming the knowledge of the universal awareness you, there is no napunaravrtir bavarjuno there is no way it, you, you become again a, a body limited by the body in detail this is the 14th mantra and then the last 15th is finishing that tat etat brahma prajapatehe uvacha आचार्यात कुलाद्यता गुरो कर्मणि शोषेना वेदम अभिसामावृत्य शोजदेशे अहिंसन प्रजापति this atma jnana or this knowledge of the universal being or the universal consciousness which brahma has taught to prajapati the 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 universal consciousness itself divulged it to prajapati and prajapati uvacha acharya kulat from the tradition of teachers to taught like prajapati to kashyapa etc there are there is a list of guru parampara which is being mentioned guruho karmaadi sheshena by doing whatever is required as instructed by the guru remember 32 plus 32 plus 32 plus 5 101 years he had done the brahmacharya avastha to know this knowledge so guru karmaadi sheshena whatever has been instructed by vidivat yadavidanam as instructed by the guru vedam aditya after having understood what has been taught by prajapati abhisamavritya 
by doing what is the samavartanam kudumbe sthitva even if it is he is a person who is with the family suchau deshe in a clean place swadhyayam adidaya by studying this oneself or by doing the mananam of this swadhyayam adhyayanam swadhyayam adhyaya adhyana means by the shravana manana nididhyasana dharmigan vidatat by the you know dharma way of living sarvaya sarve indriyani atmani samsprashya by withdrawing all the outgoing tendencies of the instruments of knowledge and instruments of action focusing it on the atma or knowing the atma tithebya anyatra sarvani bhutani ahimsan by not impedimenting anybody else's life or not into in getting into the you know the methodology of interference in others life himsa which is called the himsa here yavad ayusham evam vartayan as long as asushuptera amrute kalam dvaita chintanam kurya as long as you have the breathing or as long as you are going to deep sleep either day or in your life evam vartayan sa brahma lokam adisambadyate one who remains in this in this knowledge of what he has become as instructed by the acharya parampara nacha punaravartate for a such a person there is no delusion engulfing him he can never be under the clutches of ignorance again is what the upanishad is telling in the final statement as a guarantee that there is once you know identify and adhere to this teaching there is no way that ignorance can grip you you are one with the universal consciousness there is nothing which is limited by you but if you have not understood is the what the last statement said you have to do dharmic life you have to be you know non ahimsa brahmacharyam all those things which are mentioned vidivat you have to do suchi naam dei hanute in that place you have to do shravana manana nididhyasana until this becomes your being intellectually initially because of which shravana manana will take place and once your shravana manana is over then when it become nididhyasana you have entered into the realm of the universal consciousness such a person na punaravartate he doesn't have he doesn't come back again to the body again anymore. nor he gets into the clutches of the the ignorance again om apyayantu mamangani vaakprana chakshushrotram adhobalam indriyani cha sarvani sarvam brahma upanishatam maham brahma dirakuryam mama brahma dirakarod अनिराकरणमस्तु अनिराकरणम मे अस्तु तदात्मनि निरते य उपनिषत्सु धर्माः ते मयि संतु ते मयि संतु ओम शांति 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 पूर्णमद पूर्णमिदं पूर्णात् पूर्णमुदच्यते
Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vasishyate Om Shanti 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 Arihi Om Sri Guru Namaha Arihi Om Thank you. Thank you, Binduji. Thank you very much uh, for uh, a successful completion of uh, Chandogya. As we all of us aware that among the ten basic Upanishads, Chandogya and Brahadaranika are the, the very largest in size and has many technicalities. So your simple, lucid uh, the way of uh, explaining the things was superb. Everybody enjoyed uh, your Chandogya sessions. We loved it. Uh, especially these things are very, very pertinent. One cannot himself read the Upanishads. It has to be with the Guru only, then only they will be able to understand the very essence of these things. Uh, thank you very much for your time and patience and for all the questions and clarifications. We enjoyed a lot. We enjoyed a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Bindoji. Hope take some rest and uh, then as and when you wish, uh, you may start Brahadaranyaka uh, too. It's my request, Bindoji. Thank you. Thank you, Jalindji. I don't know whether I'll start Brahadaranyaka or not. I'm not, I'm not thought about in that direction. As you said, I'll take a break now. Yes, Bindoji. Please take a break and then think of it. Thank you. Sitting. Take a text like this and explain. There is a lot of homework required for collecting different force, different places, different commentators, and from my own logical acceptance of that, because there is a commentator, but it's not logically acceptable to me. I cannot just, you know, parrot it or verbatim reproduce it because the conviction is more important than you know what has been said by the, each of those commentators. So there has been a lot of reading, a lot of comparisons and then what I am presenting is my own version. So that is why the difference which you feel is that you may not find it in the same way in other places. But I feel that the Upanishads is never losing its charm, never going to be an archaic or a you know unwanted textbook. It is hand holding us all the time. So I should present it in the in the today's you know understanding how people can accept it rather than being sticking to you know the the, the Vedic period meaning of those sentences that is the beauty of the sanskrit sanskrit words can be utilized and explained every every i mean almost every growth of the you know human species 
it is applicable. That is why it has stood the withstood the test of time and still valid and helping us to understand what is our true nature. So, so that is why I am not committing my day for the next this next Upanishad and what should be done. And as Jadavaji was been telling, he will be doing the other Upanishads in the meanwhile. That's so absolutely beautiful um, that it's not time bound um, and one can use the words whatever time period there is, uh, one can adapt the wording to the truth of the Upanishads, the underlying truth, uh, because that's exactly what it is. It's a living truth. So when it's alive, it will... Uh, present itself in whatever form. So, absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Vindaji. I think uh, the, the best thing I like uh, is that you, you you edit out the unnecessary stuff and you are giving us the real juice of the Upanishad. So, that because if if anybody can see any playlists on YouTube about, there'll be like 100 videos or something. But I think listening to your series, I think people will get a better grip of the subject than listening to those hundreds of uh, things. So at least that's my personal feeling. So yeah, your style of teaching is like, we are lucky, very lucky to have you as a teacher. Thank you. Thank you, Bindoji. <clears throat> It's a great experience to listen to your renderings of the Upanishadic uh, wisdom. And for a layman like me, uh, it is so much of, uh, it has so much of enlightenment. enlightenment. And uh, uh, the thing is, uh, uh, I'm personally very, very eager to listen to the other Upanishads like Vedarindika. Hope you come back to us as soon as possible because with the ticking of the time uh, there is always a uh, fear that we might miss that so at least i am very eager to listen to your brother nika too so that we may move another inch towards the realization of the at least the the nearness of brahman Thank you very much, especially this one Chandogya, I'll never forget in my life because it was so fantastic that many a time I got such an elated, altered consciousness and to come back to the normalcy of this mundane world uh, to meet the demands of my profession, it was so uh, intriguing that it was an enjoyment too for me but still it was so uh, fantastic thank you Vindoji. thank you for your kindness to make us a little enlightened in this atmic notion thank you very much thank you yeah by the way i'm also as eager as Ganesh G2. <laughs> Hopefully, we get to Buddha soon. Thank you, Bindu. 
I want to add something too because I find it. Um, I think it's important. Um, every time before your classes, I have some kind of experience relating to what you're going to talk about, and I can integrate that instantly, and that is so beautiful. So I'm very grateful. I have another question for you, uh, a personal question, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Um, when you are preparing the rooms, uh, you said you are comparing different texts, different things, and then it has to fit for you logically. Um, if you start speaking, uh, do you speak out of that contemplation uh, yourself? Um, what would happen if you would not compare it and just start speaking? Would you trust what's coming out of your mouth? See, what happens, cousin, is that while preparing and comparing, and while comparing and making this, I am generating a thought process within myself, which is purely mine and it is my conviction that this is the right meaning of it. Because it is not contradicting with many, but maybe some places there is extra, which is more, you know, into the grammar or into the, you know, the Vedic period references, etc., which are not re relevant today when we talk about it. Because if I get into the Sanskrit grammar, not, it's not helpful for any of you who have not studied Sanskrit, nor the Vedic period terminologies which are being explained, how it's used, where it is, you know, applicable, etc., is not today known to, I would say, even one percent or even half a percent of humanity. So those things are not what is there in my mind when I am forming an idea in my mind. But after that, I am contemplating on that. And when I am reading the mantra, I am revisiting my conviction rather than what I read. So it is from my own, what you call, inner voice, which is coming out when I am talking now here in this rooms. Even though the, mantra, the, the Sanskrit verses I may read from the text, but and after that, what comes out is basically from my own conviction. Perfect. Thank you so much. Bindoji, I have a curiosity to know. You study a lot and do comparisons and uh, go in depth to uh, fathom the meanings out of uh, the words uh, i just want to know uh, whether there is an experience for you that uh, uh, there is an innate inner voice coming out of nothing uh, just to uh, what i should say to enlighten the words itself like 
without your awareness are is there a process of words emerging out of you is there any such experience for you i am just i won't be able, i won't be able to say that because if i had had an experience then i am seeing it as an experience like seeing feeling touching and everything but when i am as you rightly said when you are hearing these things you are elevated elated into a differential different conscious level and then you feel that you know that you are you are special or you have that feeling of something something which is not commonly available type of a thing so when we when we are explaining the upanishad and imbibing and living that and talking about it one is shifting his identity from what he is or what you know the surrounding is all about i don't even look at my mobile or i don't even look at any of those surroundings what i see in front of me is only the sanskrit shlokas and my thoughts and my thoughts are not my thoughts in the sense that if i have to do in worldly life what my thoughts are there no here i am talking about my own being my true nature and there there is nothing else other than me and that when it is coming out it is coming out from that not anywhere else yeah yeah that that we could also feel when we listen to that uh, it is uh, fine a voice that is getting expressed out of you and uh, it, it is just having a communion with all of us for listeners and that's why i just asked you uh, that question thank you bindu ji thank you very much aryan bindu ji um Really? Yes, that means it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking. Um, while I'm trying to talk. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, uh, okay. Um, so what? One of the parts of what you were speaking about that, um, uh, that we hear about, uh, in, in other classes as well, uh, about the, the organ, um. say of sight actually not being what is causing the seeing this awareness that that is in us or that we are doing the seeing and the um the mistaken association um with the cause of that sight or experience and you were talking about this awareness that permeates everything so it's just the mind's simplistic association with the senses and this limited sense of the body that's really the that's the main um the main hang up um just bear with me so when you, i really loved the way uh you talked today in the class in a different way than you might have been 6 months ago about knowing is being now the actual perception 
not entirely. So I don't want to make it sound like the perception continues to be entirely localized. There seems to be that that's just the predominant way that it presents itself. Um, and there's this, um, you know, it seems like in Advaita, this is talked about as superimposition, but there's this, um, uh, to me, it's almost like there's these facets. There's the facet of experiencing something localized, and there's the facet of actually having this knowing, the knowing that's being, that's not localized at the same time. Now, here's what I want to get to. When a person is just seeking and they're having experiences, and those are usually very describable experiences, they're, they're like a, a, a dramatic or a special thing as it compared to their daily usual experience. And, and I've really appreciated how you, um, downplay those experiences. Uh, they're not really the appropriate thing to talk about to, so to speak, get where the person wants to go. On a parallel way, is it, it seems like it's also avoided and perhaps not useful to try to further describe this I don't even want to call it a reconciliation of the localized and then the the non-personal because the the reconciliation would be even farther from ever being able to put into words but the the thing I wonder if you want to talk more if you could speak more about is I mean that's the that shift is the is the bottom line and is there merit or in other texts is there more discussion of this dramatic paradox of superimposition in that case or the the localized perception versus the 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 um the full knowing as being i i hope i've conveyed something i'm really trying to thanks Yeah, as you rightly said, I downplay this any experience, whatever may be the nature of it, even if you are instantaneously able to translocate to a different part of the world or elevate, you know, levitation, or you can read the mind of others, all these type of things are within the space and time. So what comes will not last long. So I do not give any importance, even though those things have tempted me in my path, I have not been tempted to pursue that or hold on to that. Because I told this to Vinod, even he was asking me, why are you not giving the importance to that? I say that even there, I, in, even in that special experiences, when I was experiencing, I, I was looking at the, the experiencer who is acknowledging the experience, not identifying with the experience and relishing in that. Used even that for segregating 
my true nature from the experiences. That is what is more important than because to know your true nature is the only goal and all what we need to do is that. Once we know that, everything else will be part of it. So why to worry about small, small things when you know you can become the king? Will you be interested to own a small place in that kingdom? No. Something similar to that. Be that awareness, universal awareness, which is there in everything. It is not your private property because you are not there anymore to make it as a private property. You become everything. You are the consciousness in which everything exists. And that state is possible for us to achieve because that is our true nature. Had it not been possible, these Upanishads would have been you know, trashed centuries or millions before. Why it is relevant today, people are teaching that and taught and listening to that is because it is possible, people have achieved it and people can even achieve even today in this very moment. And as long as this teaching continues, there will be people who are achieving it also. So it is all the more important that the only attention which we should give is to that ultimate state, not the intermediary beneficiaries what we get. Uh, yeah, so this this will be much quicker. This that was perfect for me. Um, uh, I remember a class or two back or somewhere you said uh, we're not. You didn't use these words, but we're not trying to become scholars or Sanskritists or whatever. The main the main point is just what you said. Uh, can the can the intent be actualized? And you know, people were just now expressing eagerness to have more classes and other Upanishads. When this was happening, I was thinking that I'm learning uh, and, and, and struggling at times to be able to participate in a reasonable discussion about these things and to find words. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like that's part of it also is, is, is I feel like all the classes that have already happened, I could listen to the recordings again and there's still so much there to kind of be, uh, received and to find ways to actually bring our questions in the spirit of what you said that you do your studying and you don't just take for granted the sources you're looking at you really check what your own questions are that match what you really could ask and say and and what your con what your conviction is and and I think for myself I'm really learning to to try to do the same with what you present and not take it uh, just at face value, but to be able to have a real discussion so real things are discovered. Um, so the last thing to just say is I really loved the part you said about um, nothing's, these might not have been your words, but nothing's in the realm of cause and effect. And my, my immediate thought of that was that that's just, an, it's another way to point to this um, if nothing's cause and effect, uh, the whole idea of effort around this pursuit is um, entirely, uh, entirely a mistake. Um, thank you so much. Um, 
I, I feel very grateful to know you and everyone here. Yeah, when I say cause and effect and effort, it is from the point of view of pursuit to know yourself, which we do not know as a reality today. So the practice to be done is that we know the definitions of what is the nature of Atma and Brahma or the consciousness nature. Verify anything and everything what we experience in our day-to-day -day life in relation to that. And then over a period, you will start seeing that in everything. Because today we are seeing the name and the form and the attributes, not seeing the awareness of, of the objects of the world of experiences. But when we know the nature of Atma is this, or Brahman is this, or consciousness is this. Evaluate our own understanding of the world in relation to that. That is why we also will be elevating ourselves from identifying with the names and forms and the attributes to the nature of the Atma itself. And once that becomes more and more clear and it becomes, you know, like the words used in the Upanishads, like, like the marble in the open palm, it will become so clear that you will have all times when the question comes, you will associate yourself as Atma and reply. You will not associate yourself as the individual physical body to reply because you don't identify it anymore. So the questions when it is being asked, you are the Atma who has to answer it, not the physical being. Vindaji, uh, good evening and uh, a lot of thanks for this. Uh, thanks and gratitude for all these sessions, actually. And uh, I hope, uh, you know, this remains as one of the great assets for us uh, whenever we want to reference it and things like that. So I had uh, one question. Uh, See, normally when uh, people uh, come to this, right, come to study the Upanishads, they don't already have a you know view of the reality. And uh, what I find is like you know that uh, if they go through, for example, an Acharya who is oriented towards Advaita, then they are going to interpret in a Dvaitic manner. And if they go and uh, go through Acharya who is like more Dvaita or other kind of uh, this one they are going to interpret in that particular way. But somewhere it should so happen that uh, the truth is actually independent of the path. And therefore, they, you know, ideally, it has to be exactly one way to look at reality and no other way at all. Now, this, uh, you know, this, this itself as a requirement, many may not have because they just follow the path that uh, their own guru gives. And they'll just kind of like you know get used to the interpretation that they have and then kind of like they keep defending it actually which actually in my opinion is more of a mental kind of this thing uh, but in your case how did you resolve it uh, in the sense that i know it doesn't require a resolution it's like as they say truth shines on its own 
in the sense that like you know that uh, somehow you know that this is the only way it cannot be in any other way right so because uh, you know the the very process of verifying that this is the way or this is the right understanding at certain level the verification cannot exist because you are that kind of thing and in so many different ways it's kind of like you know these are kind of resolved but then the ones who are going through other path for example uh, you know where the arvindo and arvindos and all like because they set the verification as okay you have to be able to manipulate reality you know then like you know you understood something and all the very the, the need for truth itself is diluted in that particular way i am saying diluted because i am seeing from this uh, perspective right from here but for them it looks very very natural and they kind of are tempted to follow that particular way so what do you really you know what do you think is happening uh, is it that nature only is making them explore in that particular way without uh, really giving them the full control and but then in that case if that is so then it's also true this side also or like you know uh, that uh, at some point of time they are going to like you know get to the real truth now <laughs> i mean this is a very interesting problem uh, i mean i don't have uh, this thing i just say truth shines on its own and therefore everybody has to come here but then that uh, statement also cannot really be proved in any independent manner is uh, what other people claim i hope i explained the problem i think vinod yeah yeah vinod this is what you are saying see what happens is that there are two important aspects in the path of spiritual progress one is faith with which you start your journey then there is also a verification or a questioning process both are equally important but normally what happens is that when the faith becomes prominent you do not have the courage to question that is an impediment you are not this you are not having no faithlessness or a, you are moving away from the faith but you want to refine the faith with a better understanding so when we do not question the faith for the logicality of it and the experientiality of it we will be guided by the faith because we do not challenge it in my case i have been from the age of 10 or 8 when i was listening to all these purana stories growing with my grandmother to the temples and listening to all those things i was exposed to the stories of all the you know the teachers and the teachings and everything as a child but didn't have didn't have anything so that developed a faith in me to follow the path but as i became an adolescent and started my college days you know the normally the temperament of the college student is to question everything challenge the authorities i put to use the same authority or the challenging nature which normally all the teenagers do to challenge the parents and the teachers and the society 
into a better use of challenging the faith and the belief in the faith. Not to decry it, but to refine it. And when I did that, there were a lot of questions which were coming up, which were not answered by mere faith. You needed to have acquired the knowledge for answering those questions, which guided me toward, towards questioning in the form of who am I, what am I, or why is this, why should I have a faith, or is this what I'm seeing as name and form of in the name of God is ultimate, or is there something, are they representational? These type of questions which came into my mind are the one which forced me to find out what are the methods in which everybody has proceeded in that. Some have achieved through faith, some have achieved through meditation, some have achieved through other means. So I got into the intricacies of the finer aspects of what are the methods of knowing. That is the time when I was introduced to Advaita and then like any other thing, like the devotion I was following, I started following the Advaita also. But my questioning nature never stopped. Even today, I do not live that. I question my experiences. That's what I was telling Atmisha now. The question experiences have to be in relation and in tune with the teachings of Advaita. And then I accept it. If it is not there, I analyze it further down. Where is the fault? These type of enquiry, avarti asakratubadesha, repetition and, you know, pariprasnena sevaya, by questioning yourself, questioning the teaching, you need to hone your intellect to such an extent that you see truth, nothing but truth. That is the time when you know that you have you know that you now you have found your your you know destination or your path then, then there is no further questioning about it because you continue to do this challenging questioning and every time until you know what the tishta jagrada prapyavaran that until you reach your destination don't stop questioning that this is one thing which we should always do. Yes, thanks, Binduji, actually. Yeah, that I totally resonate with, actually. Thank you so much. Binduji, thank you so much again for a wonderful session. Um, Bindu, could we talk uh, just before you go? Could you just give some commentary on uh, sleep uh, and, and dream? In, in their contrast. I'm I'm right in assuming that there's no difference fundamentally when we use this word deep sleep between sleep and deep sleep. It's it's a um it's a uh a cessation of uh of the how can can you walk us through uh their their purpose. I mean, do you, do, how do you characterize that? Do, do you see it as a purpose or, I mean, uh, can you speak about that in a way and then I can ask more. Thank you. 
See, that is a methodology very useful because all other explanations, which is the Upanishad or the other philosophies of God, is external to you. So verification becomes a big problem for us. Whether what is being told, how can I verify it? But here is some a tool which is given in the Mandukya. Our own experiences, which you can evaluate. You don't need a tool outside yourself. You don't need a time or a space or a limitation or any type of conditions which where you can do the you know process of inquiry. This analysis of our own transmission from waking to dream to deep sleep and you know the cycle being continued itself is a is a laboratory for us to analyze evaluate and verify in all the three experiences you can identify yourself as an observer for at the same time being part of the experience also you are the observer of the waking but at the same time you are there in the waking why you are an observer in the waking observer of the waking because you know that you lost observe waking and you had gone to dream. So you, the only if you are outside the waking, you can be an observer of the waking. And when you knew waking to dream transmission took place, transition took place, there has to be an entity which is beyond not either in dream or entering the waking or in the deep sleep. This will help us to de-alienate ourselves from the waker, from the dreamer, from the deep sleeper, to the one which is observing the changes, repetition of it, not only the repetition of it, the nature of the experiences also of three are three different nature. One is subtle, one is gross, one is absence of anything. So it's not only that experiences are required, even the absence of experiences is in awareness. But you are aware of the absence of the experiences, but there is no experience also. So these type of inquiries are very helpful when we do this avastatre nirupanam as per the technical term is. That avastatre means the three states of experiences, so waking, dream and deep sleep. Nirupanam means is analysis. So when we do the three state of states of experiences and analysis, we will be able to segregate our as an entity outside them independently. But if you are not able to do that, then you will be caught up by one of them, either the waking or dream or deep sleep, the word you identify yourself to the maximum. Normally it is the waking. So this is why that methodology is the most effective one and therefore even by the traditional people or even the Muktika Upanishad says that Mandukya Meva Malam, the Upanishad Mandukya alone is enough for one to get liberated, freed from the clutches of waking dream and deep sleep. That is why that Upanishads has got such a predominance, even though it's the smallest of the smallest of Upanishads. 
and the, out of all that only one verse is enough the seventh mantra is all that is enough of the entire but those who are not able to understand the seventh mantra the first six mantras help them to the seventh so those who are not understood the first seven for them the remaining the five mantras or the 12 8 7 8 9 12 and then 8 will be more of a meditative method so you don't you don't need an external tool or external method or external thing observe yourself see who is the one which is unchanging in all experiences that's all what is required yeah thank you bindu my question more was you know less about the introspection and more about the function and i know you're not going to like it so much but the the purpose of of sleep you know from from an objective perspective would be and i know you won't look at it from an objective perspective but if you're there there has there has to be something i mean without analyzing waking if we look at sleep alone is it is it that the is do you see it as a is it it's a recharging um session for the contents of the appearance or like how do you see that i know you won't see it but <laughs> you you won't actively look at it but if you were to hypothesize the purpose of of you know sleep and dream what what do you see it as the purpose is to compare it i won't i won't ask you right you said i don't give any importance to them it is just like that you know the waking world is the only reality for the entire scientist and scientific world they for them the dream and the deep sleep is non existent and their analysis of the whole scientific and the evolution everything is based on what we experience in the waking but are we complete just by a waking integer do we you are you a complete person in your if you had only waking so that is why i don't give much value for these three one 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 of these phases what you call you know one experience of hours of waking or dream or deep sleep as something which is recharging or you know rejuvenating or anything rejuvenating home did you encourage that i ask a question always who is rejuvenating the body you didn't have to go through any rejuvenation because you are always fresh did you ever feel that you as an awareness went through a diminishing in your awareness or an exact assaulted awareness no you are constant as awareness you are always present and that awareness is always constant who got the rejuvenation the physical body you are not the physical body it is just like in the in the day in the waking somebody takes a intoxication he feels intoxicated somebody goes into dream he gets rejuvenated both are of the same nature doesn't have to give any special importance we tend we give tendency for our tendency is to give important to insignificant things and we hold on to that the only significant thing is to know yourself if you do not know who you are 
the rest of the things have got no meaning because they all will be always there to limit you condition you or even you know influence you so i i have, as you rightly said i don't give any value for these experiences Thank you, Bidoji. Uh, just before I go, uh, just to remind you, because this is the closing of this session, I, I'm eternally grateful uh, that you shared all of that energy, uh, all of your contemplation, uh, so many days um, preparing uh, hours, you know, before Wednesdays and Fridays to prepare for it. And I think I'm very conscious of how much time I'm so grateful that you, uh, I have that in my life. Uh, you're so amazing. I'm so blessed. Um, the, uh, the the last thing I was going to say, Bindo, is that is that what's so lovely about you is that you're so not non-sectarian. You know, you grew up in that culture, and uh, your knowledge is 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 so complete. Um, yet you're not attached to any of it you you can flow you know from um nargojuna to shankara and and um it's you know effortless um i'll encourage you because you you kind of interface between the upanishads and and almost you know at times that direct method that there's a um there's a synthesis that you've captured in your ability to communicate that, at least to me, um, that I encourage you to explore in, um, in, in not creating, you know, the next Upanishad, but there's something, you know, there's a, a great gift that, um, uh, that you have in, in sharing that. So I encourage you and enjoy your break. Uh, I won't stop bugging you, of course, but Thank you so much. Hariyom Bindo. Hariyom. Okay, there are no questions, so I'll take leave. Friday I'll be here, 8.30 again. We'll have an open house, questions, general lecture can be there. Right. Thank, Thank you, you Bindo. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you, Bindu Ji. Thank you.